Web 2.0. Innovation. Trend. Collaboration. Software. Metadata. Got the world turning as fast as it can? Hear how technology can help, legally speaking, with two of the top legal technology experts, authors, and lawyers, Dennis Kennedy and Tom Mile. Welcome to the Kennedy Mile Report here on the Legal Talk Network. And welcome to episode 148 of the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Dennis Kennedy in St. Louis. And I'm Tom Mile in Dallas. In our last episode, we revisited the idea of the paperless office. In this episode, we wanted to consider the ways we actually use and personalize our own technology to create a better experience with it. Tom, what's on our agenda for this episode? Well, Dennis, in this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, we'll be talking about the accessories that we'd like to use that uh, help us use technology better. In our second segment, we're going to take a look at multi-factor authentication as a way to protect uh, your data and your identity. And as usual, we'll finish up with our parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation that you can start to use the second that this podcast is over. But first, uh, let's get started on our on our main topic, and that's accessories and personalization. We talk a lot on this podcast about the types of technologies that we use, but we really don't spend a lot of time talking about accessories, the tools that help us uh, or, or at least make it easier to use that technology. Um, Dennis, it was a Facebook post, I think, that gave rise to the idea for this podcast. What were you looking for when you posted it earlier this week? Yeah, I decided in my uh, you know constant quest to find this suitable replacement for Google Wave as a, a way to have these <laughs> discussions where I can ask a question and get answers from people who are experts. I decided I'd try experiment with Facebook, so I, I had gotten this uh, new Tortuga travel backpack, which I'm I'm really excited about, and so I was rethinking what would be, and so that would be my carry-on, uh, you know, overhead backpack. Pack. Um, and then I was thinking, well, what would be my second bag that would typically carry my laptop and that sort of thing? And then I said, well, if I have a backpack, I think I got to go to a wheeled case of some kind. So I started to look and I, uh, as luck would have it, went to this uh, to me store where I saw two really cool wheeled laptop bags, um, really well thought out. I really liked both of them. Um, and the one I liked the most was $825, which is probably about eight <laughs> times what my budget was for this, this wheeled laptop bag. So I said, you know, I'll just ask all my friends on Facebook who do tech and travel and, and see if there's a consensus these days. And and uh, so I, I got some good suggestions um, and I got a lot of criticism as well, sort of making fun of me for even wanting to have a wheeled bag. And, and so I, I realized a couple of things as a result of that. One was that there was not one clear choice. And... Two, that the answer really does come back to the old, it depends, you know, on, on what it is that you you need and, and want. And so what I decided was more important than the wield was, and sort of what my concern about the Tumi bags was that I, I wanted to make sure I had a bag that would fit under the seat in you know, almost every airline situation I found myself in. And so the wheeled bag just seems like it's problematic for that reason. So, but anyway, it really started to make me think about, you know, how not only that bag, uh, but how I came to the decision to to get that bag, uh, to get that tart 
Tortuga bag, the fact that uh, the Tortuga founders have a podcast called the Power Trip Travel Podcast, <laughs> which is which is great. And as I started listening to it, it almost made it impossible for me not to buy their bag because I liked what they were they were doing so much. And then they also realized that how ex- the accessory thing is also a lot about personalization and, and personalization of our experience. So. Um, to make a long story short, Tom, so now I found myself after uh, pretty much deciding that I needed this wheeled bag to now being at a point where I'm like, I don't, th- I'm going to try to experiment <laughs> with what I already have for a while and not make a decision probably for at least another six months. So that probably doesn't surprise you, Tom, knowing me as long as you have, but that's that's sort of the whole upshot of the, the Facebook post. I tend uh, to work in almost exactly the opposite direction because once I've made up my mind that I want to get, if I had decided I wanted to get a new bag, I would. I, I may have gone ahead and asked the question for it. Uh, I generally, my, my approach is more to kind of take a look at reviews and what people say online, although I suppose that, you know, when you ask your friends, it's uh, kind of like what happened to you. You got a couple of legitimate responses, uh, but a whole lot of ribbing and and a whole lot of uh, kind of just uh, responses that that weren't helpful uh, in, in particular. Uh, but uh, but what I do agree with is that these decisions are intensely personal. I think that that the and 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 when it comes to a bag that you're going to use, I think that that becomes even more personal. Some of the accessories that we talk about today. There's not a whole lot of difference between some of the things we talk about and having one over the other doesn't really matter. But having a bag, I think, makes a big difference is that it's it's something that you're going to be using uh, for maybe a long period of time. It's something you have to get used to. It's this place where you, all of your stuff goes. And I think that that's reason to make a more deliberate approach to that, if that makes sense to you. I happen to be more impatient. Um, so once I've made a decision on it, then I pull the trigger and boom, there it is. And, and sometimes I live with regret and sometimes... I'm insanely happy because I made a good choice. But uh, I think that part of the issue is is that there's just so many options these days. Uh, you know, back uh, when the iPad first came out, for example, I w- would recommend one or two different keyboards, and I still recommend only one or two different keyboards. But the number of keyboards available with the iPad a- a- has exp- expanded just exponentially because uh, everyone's making it. And they are of, of random qualities and types and varieties varieties that you really have to make it you know have to have to make the research and 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 study it yourself and decide what's important to me and as you say what is the job to be done that you need this particular accessory to accomplish um, and 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 hopefully you make the right decision yeah and I, I think that also I, th- I started to think about there is that notion these days and I don't know whether it's a you know, particularly millennial thing, or it's just a, a sign of the times of what we all want. Of we like to have things that are really personalized to us, and and so you may see that in. Uh, I mean, you have that that uh, that Moto X phone, and you yep. know, sometimes you see in cars and you know, clothing, other things that you can really personalize a lot of things, and and that sort of seems what people want. And as I started to look into this, I was going, well, if I think about how I'm using these things and where 
where I'll be that, you know, I need to kind of think through what impression do I make? So if I'm a speaker, do I want a certain type of bag? Does it need to be more modern? Does the fact that I sort of have this, I think it'd be kind of cool to have like a distressed leather, you know, bag that, you know, developed a patina over time. I, you know, might that be cool, but or does that doesn't even fit with everything else that I have and I have to, you know, start to coordinate things. So, so I think there is that personalization element that, that really does come into to the notion of accessories. So, so both the, the helpfulness aspect and then also the sort of personality aspect, right, I think, are both involved in accessories. So I don't know, Tom, uh, should we kick off what, uh, what our favorite accessories are? Sure. Since we're talking about bags, why don't we uh, start with the uh, bags? So um, my current daily laptop bag uh, comes from Chrome Industries, uh, and it's just, and it's called the Soyuz. Um, it's a back to- backpack with a rolled top, a really cool inside uh, zippered sleeve for file folders and and a laptop that you can pull out from the side of it it's a it's expensive it's a hundred and sixty dollar uh backpack i got it for half price i got it for 80 bucks uh which makes it really great holds a lot really really heavy duty um really comfortable in a lot of ways you know some trade-offs it's not the perfect bag for me but i really like it um in a lot of ways, and I've really gone to the backpack approach uh, because when I use the shoulder bag, it always seems like you know I get a little bit out of alignment somehow, and I, I get sore and, and uncomfortable. So this uh, this replaced a, a, a Swiss Army backpack that I used for years that I really liked, which had a lot of pockets and zippers and sort of things. And so the Chrome Industries thing, which is sort of a cool messenger company, kind of more you know, urban kind of feel to it. It's a cool set of, uh, it's their approach is, is really cool, and I like the heavy-dutiness of it. So that's that's my latest bag, which is probably about as far from the leather briefcase <laughs> to me, wheeled uh, briefcase as you can get. Yeah, I am. I went a couple of years ago to the backpack as well for pretty much the same reason. I was using a shoulder bag. It was hurting my shoulder. I started carrying a little bit more in the way of accessories. And uh, and then when I was traveling internationally, it just made sense to have a backpack with me and a backpack that could carry a whole lot of stuff. And so I've, be, I've been a real fan for a number of years of Tom Bin bags. And I the, the current backpack I have right now is the Tom Bin brain bag. Um, they are not... I wouldn't call them luxury bags, but I would still call them high quality. They're very strong bags. They're indestructible. I have never seen wear and tear on any Tom Bin bag I've ever had, and I've had a number of them for several years, and I can throw them anywhere, and they will bounce back and have no problems with them. What I like about Tom Bin is that they have accessories for your accessories. So uh, you can buy the the brain bag is basically empty inside. It's got a lot of ton of room in it, um, but uh, you can accessorize it. So I have uh, in one f- sleeve, I have one th- something called the Freudian slip. Uh, you can use it to store papers or pens or accessories, small accessories that are part of that, and it slips right into one of the one of the pockets of that. Um, they have a thing called the brain cell. The brain cell is another insert that will safely protect your laptop. And there's a horizontal version and a vertical version, and there it very tightly protects your laptop so that it doesn't get hurt. 
tons of great accessories that are part of it. You know, now that I have my Surface Pro and I'm traveling with that, this backpack is probably too big for as a laptop bag. It probably is bigger, but I, I really carry a whole lot more accessories as you will find out as we talk more during the course of this. Um, so I actually really appreciate the extra space. It's it's nice to have that. So let's move kind of move on from bags. Let's talk about more personalized accessories and talk about phones. Uh, I'll, I'll make mine simple, which is uh, that I have the confession to make that since I now have the Moto X, I actually don't have a case right now that I'm using. Um, I uh, it's, it's such a nice looking phone. Uh, the cases for it really bulk it up and take away from that. It's very thin and it's like you said, it's personalized. I'm taking my life in my hands when I carry it out with me. I already dropped one Moto X once and cracked the cracked the screen, but it, even though it's Gorilla Glass, I, I know I'm asking for trouble, uh, but right now I think the best case for my phone is my pocket. So, Dennis, what about you? I, I go simple here. I, I really like the standard Apple iPhone leather case, which it's at least according to rumor, if not fact, was designed by Johnny Ive. But uh, but I what I like about it is it's really simple, sleek, black leather. Uh, it shows it, it. I think it accentuates the slimness of the iPhone. And it looks good. It feels good in your hand. I accidentally dropped my iPhone this morning from a, a I guess, in preparation for for this podcast. <laughs> um, and you know, it, it protected it, it just fine. But I just really like the look of it. Just uh, like I said, I just to me, it just fits and complements uh, the iPhone feel really well. And so, while we're on the subject of iDevices, uh, what are you using for your iPad? Well, for my iPad, again, simple. I like the smart covers uh, with my earlier iPad, so I've now gone to the uh, the iPad Air 2 smart case, which gives you the smart cover, which is you know, very versatile and flexible and turns your iPad on and off. But the thing about the smart case is it, it uh, wraps around and gives you, it protects the back side of it as well because it used to be the, just the, the, the smart cover just uh, protected the front, and then you had the, the metal back exposed, which could get it scratched or whatever but this kind of wraps it up really nice and and snugly i like it a lot um the only drawback i have is that sometimes when i i go to put the uh, the charger in to it i don't i'm not sure exactly why this is happening i, I keep trying to figure this out but it, basically it's pretty easy to miss the uh the slot you need to put the charger into and you sort of plug it it's like it slips underneath between the uh, the the case and the actual iPad, and so you you notice that the your iPad isn't charging because you haven't <laughs> got it into the right slot, or or any slot at all. Actually, right. I am um, I'll second the iPad Air to smart case. I I use the the case as well. I used to have the smart cover on the earlier iPad because I I thought that having the case made it much too bulky, but now the iPad Air is so thin that this case, this the, the, the total case, really doesn't add to the bulk, I don't think. It still is a thin, nice case. Um, it's durable. It's, it's, it's a good quality case. So I, I, I like it. Um, and, uh, and, and like you said, it protects the iPad all the way around. I think that we could probably do an entire 
podcast on accessories for charging things or power outlets and charging your various accessories. But let's maybe try to condense it into two or three or four minutes uh, to talk about the kinds of things we use. Do you, um, I know that any good legal technology person is going to bring along some type of portable power strip. And I know that I'm not an exception to that. What about you? Yeah, I just think that even if I'm not speaking, um, I I really like taking a, a power strip. Uh, sometimes I'll even take like a, a just a cheap extension cord as well. I figure like if the outlets are kind of hard to get to and you're sitting in the audience, that if you have a an extension cord, even the cheap one with like three extra outlets, that you can you know uh, you'll make friends of at least two people if you you plug it in and suggest that you share. Uh, and I I find that in a fair number of hotels, there's st- there's a limited number of outlets that you need so um, there's two things that I like uh, so one is the the monster outlets to go power sh- power strip uh, which gives you four outlets uh, really handy it sort of wraps around itself and it's it's uh, really easy to carry the only the only downside on, on that I found on the one that I have is it has a incredibly bright blue LED uh, so almost uh, so it really emphasizes the need for a sleep mask in a hotel room <laughs> and the other one I like a lot is the uh, the Belkin Surge Plus three outlet mini travel swivel charger surge protector with dual USB ports again this uh, the first one is $11 it's more like $20 or so um, and it's great so, again pretty easy to to uh, to pack and it gives you the the two USB outlets and it's a great way to it's so helpful when you're in, in a hotel room or any place where there's a limited number of outlets well, you know, it's funny. I've noticed lately that in hotels, uh, they still haven't there. Like you said, there's still a lot of hotels that haven't figured out that they need to put more outlets at the desk level. Uh, but what's interesting to me is that is that hotel rooms are getting with it in terms of putting outlets at the bed. Uh, so I've, I've been in the last couple of hotels, there have been two outlets at both bedsides, but nothing on the desk, which just sort of blows my mind away unless they're expecting you to do work while you're in bed. But I, uh, I'll, I'll second also the Belkin Surge Plus. I've got that. I use it. Um, like you, I was the most popular place in an airport whenever people needed to charge things up. I'm noticing in airports now that there are um, a lot more charging stations and tables that have plugs built into them and chairs that have plugs built into them that I don't find myself actually using it uh, that often there. But I am I, I tend to use it a lot in hotel rooms just for that reason that you mentioned is, is that until hotels figure out power and how to do it, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still going to make sure that I've got that, that Belkin. Um, what happens when you're on the road, Dennis, uh, when you need to charge charge a device or do you ever bring battery power around or anything like that uh, when you maybe in the car or other places yeah i got a couple of the uh the portable battery packs uh, i try to bring one whenever i i've really never used one because i'm a power vulture i think i'm real careful about the power i use and i'm always looking for an outlet but i usually carry at least one uh one of the things i really like though is for about 10 bucks just getting a, a dual usb port device for car charging just plugs into the what used to be known as the cigarette lighter but now the uh, the power whatever is power plug in your car um, and so that's nice because it gives you two two USB uh, outlets 
to use. So if you have a couple devices, which is uh, not surprising these days, or if you're driving with somebody, that makes it really easy. So that's like an easy 10 bucks. And, and I usually have one or two of those in my cars. I know it seems like in the last year, uh, people are giving them out as uh, swag and exhibit halls too. So you can usually pick up a couple of those. Yeah, I am. Um, I typically haven't I don't drive to work every day, so that's less of an issue for me. But lately, I find myself on long driving trips, traveling for work. This past week, I had to drive about an hour and a half from the airport to the to the town that I was going to be staying in. And uh, although I love my Moto X, the battery life is not the best. And using Google Maps um, can literally almost drain the entire battery just in an hour and a half. So I um, have two ways to deal with that. I've got a portable charger, uh, portable battery. Battery pack, but I also have um, a one of the same car chargers that you have that I bring with me. Both of them are from a company called Anker, A N K E R. I don't. I think you can probably you can't go wrong with any tool from Anchor. They have tons of different types of chargers from larger, more powerful uh, external batteries to the more portable and light uh, and easy to use chargers like this. The the, the four port car charger was 15 bucks uh, from Amazon. Uh, the bigger ones are obviously going to cost you a, a little bit more, but, uh, but they pack a lot of battery storage uh, that are part of that and really Anchor carries a charger for just about any preference uh, that that you uh, that you've got. So I sort of my biggest area of accessories is in audio, and so I have I'm afraid to count the number of headphones I have, but uh, so I have a bunch of headphone you know are basically job specific headphone uh, that I have. So the the new Bose. Uh, noise canceling ones for planes i have uh, some for when i work out at the uh, the fitness center at at my work i have some for the treadmill here i have you know different things for different different things i do um and they all make sense in my wacky world of why they're better so as so i and i partially blame it on a, a website called innerfidelity.com which tells you the best uh, headphones to get in all these different categories. But I I think it's it's an example of uh, both the personalization and the accessorization of, of how you want to, you know, have headphones that reflect the way that you listen to things that, uh, you know, might reflect the way that you want to look or the, the types of headphones you need to have depending on the activity that you have. So so that's another one. And my other audio thing is, is uh, I do use, like, uh, when I'm not wearing a headphone, I sometimes use a Bluetooth portable speaker. I like to one called the Ultimate Ears Mini Boom, uh, which is about eighty to a hundred dollars. Uh, sounds great, looks really well, and it has its own app where you can kind of customize uh, the sound and other things like that. So I know that some people who listen to the podcast have mentioned the fact that uh, you and I don't disagree near enough. And unfortunately, this is going to be another era where we don't. And it's kind of creepy that maybe we're related somehow because I take I probably am not quite the audiophile that you are but I take the same approach and I I have three different pair of headphones that I use too depending on what I need them for I I have a pair of Bose 
in-ear noise-canceling headphones. They're really light. They're really portable. They're great to have. The noise cancellation is just as good as the the -the over-the-ear. I use that listening to things on the plane. I also use it for conference calls uh, when I'm out of the office. It's it's easier for me to hear voices on the conference calls. But I recently started using a pair of wireless earbuds called Jaybird Blue Buds. Uh, They're Bluetooth, and I primarily use them when I'm working out, when I'm walking, when I'm doing anything active, so I can put my phone in a pocket, I can put it in a place that's safe and not have to worry about getting the cords tangled up or catching on something when I'm moving around. And then I've got a dirt cheap pair. I will always go to the wire cutter and uh, the wirecutter.com and I will look for their most recent recommendation on best in-ear uh, earphones under $40 and I'll have a dirt cheap pair with me uh, for whatever I need it for. And sometimes those are even more comfortable than these other pairs that I'm using. I, I have a Bluetooth speaker that I listen to around the house. I really don't listen to it that often. It's a Logitech X300 that's serviceable. It gets the job done. It's not amazing or fantastic, but uh, but I tend to not listen to the Bluetooth speaker as often as uh, as as you probably do. Now, the other thing I wanted to mention when we're talking about USB was maybe it used to go, you know, back to the days when you plugged a laptop in, into a dock, which is you know you still see, but is is sort of a cumbersome thing. But it just seems like I have so many things that I'm going to plug in between you know different. Uh, you know, iPads, iPhones, you know, backup hard drives, that sort of thing. That I just really like to sort of basic, you know, $20 powered USB hub that uh, allows you to plug one thing into your laptop and then run multiple devices off of it. I think that's a really still... Uh, these days is just a really useful accessory. So we're running a little bit long on this segment. Maybe let's finish up by um, thinking about the things we don't have or the things that we're on in the market for, maybe things we're looking for recommendations from our listeners. Dennis, you got one or two things you'd like to mention? You know, I, you know, it's, it's funny as you asked that, I, I, I feel like the man who has everything now. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there are a few things out there and I guess I'll look more as, as sort of things change and, you know, but I would like to get ideas from people of what it, I guess two things. So, so one is what people find themselves that they just think is, is so great. Everyone should try it. And then the second thing is trying to come up with a better way to find reviews and to get information about this. Cause I, I think that Boy, this in the whole reviews and finding products is the one place that Google just doesn't feel like it works for me anymore. So I've really been struggling with that. So I think those two things sort of are there some things that that our listeners think are really great or have we really moved to this area of personalization where what I like may be exactly the opposite of what you like? Uh, so I've got two wish list items for me. The first one is I'd really like a useful wireless charging platform. There is a platform that's being rolled out slowly called the Qi platform. It makes it easy to just lay your phone down on it and it will automatically charge without you having to plug anything in. But your phone or your other device needs to be configured for it. It needs to have that capability and probably fewer phones or devices have them than then don't have them. There's a couple of wireless charging tools that, that are out there that would require you to attach something to the back of your phone, which I really don't want to do. I want it to be able to just be seamless. Um, 
it's not to the point where it needs to be, but that's coming. Where I don't think we're going to get to, my, my pie-in-the-sky wish is standard charging tool. If I'm looking in my accessories bag right now, the thing that I have the most of are charging cords for each separate device, and there's nothing that's really standard. I have to use something different for my Android device that as I do for my iPad. My Android phone actually has a dock that I have to put it into. Maybe that's my fault, and maybe I'm just complaining because I'm on so many different platforms. If I standardize on one platform, I'd only have to use one charging cord, but I sure would love somebody to bring it all together and find a way that we could charge everything all together with one set of charging tools. Before we move on to our next segment, let's take a quick break for a message from our sponsor. Looking for a process server you can trust? ServeNow.com is a nationwide network of local pre-screened process servers. ServeNow works with the most professional process servers in the industry. Connecting your firm with process servers who embrace technology, have experience with high-volume serves, and understand the litigation process and rules of properly effectuating service. Find a pre-screened process server today. Visit www.servenow.com. We're glad you're listening to Legal Talk Network. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn, too. And now let's get back to the Kennedy Mile Report. I'm Tom Mile. And I'm Dennis Kennedy. Tom wrote a great article on multi-factor authentication that was published recently. We'll link to that in our show notes. With all the stories and concerns about protecting the security of our data and identity, this is an extremely important topic. Multi-factor is probably might well be the best way to take an extra step to improve your security that doesn't put that much more uh, difficulty into into how you or complication into how you do things on an everyday basis. Tom, what did your article have to say about multi-factor authentication? And, and maybe it's best to start with by uh, kind of re-emphasizing what it actually is. Well, I, let me start. The, the basis for the article was, was a, what made me think about it was a, a, a reporter for Wired Magazine wrote an article where he described how he had been hacked uh, so that his entire online identity, his Google account, his Apple account, his Twitter account, everything was literally obliterated within just a matter of hours, if, if not minutes. And it turns out that although the hackers were pretty smart and used social engineering to get a lot of the stuff that they needed to hack into his accounts, they would have completely failed if the author had done just one thing, and that is turn on two-factor authentication on his Google account so that it would have stopped them from being able to use his Gmail address. And some of you may know what multi-factor or two-factor authentication is. So in addition to a password, that's usually the something that you know, you know your password, um, you also, with multi-factor, will need something else that's going to confirm your identity and let you into your account. Uh, It could be something you have. It could be a token. Lots of companies and law firms issue tokens that you read a a temporary number off of is a secondary passcode. Uh, it, it could be something that you are. It could be your fingerprint. It could be your retina scan. It could be your voice. Um, my article really discussed the first type, using a token or code uh, to get in a, with a second level of verification. I, I, I think that at a minimum, I think Dennis is going to agree with me. We, we think that two-factor authentication is necessary for the tools where you may have a lot of personal stuff that you don't want somebody to get into. Dropbox, Google, Apple, places where you've got payment information, um, critical information like your email addresses, 
critical documents or at least important documents that you have, they all offer two-factor authentication. But frankly, you should look at enabling it for any online service that you have. Um, the easiest way to do this is to use an app for your smartphone that's going to display authentication codes for you. They, they generate random codes every 30 seconds or so. Uh, the, I first started using Google Authenticator. Uh, it's available for both Android and iPhone, but I've, I've recently started using an app called Authy, A-U-T-H-Y, uh, and I really like it. You can secure the app with your fingerprint or with a passcode, and it syncs across all of your devices. And, and the best part about these tools are they work like the tokens that you might see that are the, kind of the physical keychain tokens because they work offline. It doesn't matter if your phone is offline or doesn't have service. They will still generate codes that these services will recommend. I have found, and I think the experts say, that with this two-factor authentication, you can stop just about any determined hacker in their, in their steps because they, can't, they, they won't be able to, to get past that second level because that's personal to you and it's something that you have access to. Dennis, did I miss anything? Anything you wanted to, to talk about with, with respect to two-factor authentication? No, I, I think that's great. You show that. The highlights, I, I think that it's becoming, uh, at least to me, more understandable and, and more convenient, which are sort of the, the two key pieces of, of this. Um, I always like to use your ATM card as the example of, of multi-factor uh, because it's something you know, which is the PIN number, and something you have, which is the card that you put into the into the machine. And, and that gets the concept across uh, really easily. I think in the early days, I used to get really concerned about multi-factor because it seemed like they were going to be instant messaging you every time you tried to to log in and and you would need to come up with this this special number that was texted to you every time i i don't and that hasn't really been the case so they sort of figure out uh better ways to do that um and and i i think it does relate to this notion where i sort of feel and it, it, the example is in the the author that you mentioned that the worst thing that you can do in security these days is to use the same password in multiple places especially in your most important accounts yep so if you haven't changed all of those then multi factor becomes even more more important um, and uh, and I, and I think it's we used to say two factor I think multi factor now makes sense because you do have the fingerprint uh, you know which and the biometrics as as the other which could be the second factor or you could even see imagine like a where you actually need all three factors for for certain things so I think it's uh, it's now a lot more straightforward. It's easier to find these things. It's easier to turn them on, um, and then you know, uh, and then you just figure out what makes sense to you. But but normally you're gonna. I, it, sometimes you see something will be, you know, like a a set of letters or numbers will be texted to you or something like that that you have to put in. So um, a little bit more inconvenience, not too you know, but it's not too bad and. Uh, definitely gives you just a, a, a much better level of security than relying on your own or passwords. Agreed. So now it's time for the parting shots, that one tip, website, or observation you can use the second this podcast ends. Tom, take it away. So if you had to guess uh, which app developer was developing some of the more popular apps for the iPad, for the iOS, and for the Mac systems, you would probably not guess that it was Microsoft, but 
you would be wrong. It is Microsoft. Uh, it's interesting that Microsoft has developed, I think, several dozen apps for iOS already. We've, I think I've talked about the Outlook app that just came out recently. Um, I'm using it on, on my iPad all the time. And just this week, um, Microsoft finally released a preview candidate of the new Office for Mac. Uh, I had been using, uh, I had tried to use the previous version of Office for Mac, which was actually uh, Office 2011. Which was missing out on a ton of great features that that the Windows version of Office came uh, has updated with Office 2013. They finally updated it to where it is closer to 2013 than ever before. It's really nice. It still doesn't have everything if you're used to using it in Windows, but uh, but it's working working on it on a Mac is really nice. And and so if you're a Mac user, uh, it, right now it's free to download. You don't need a Office 365 account. You don't need anything. You can download it immediately and start uh, playing around with it and using it. I, I think it's a great tool. And then mine is uh, is practical law from Thomson Reuters. And the reason I've been thinking about this is I've been co-teaching class in intellectual property licensing and drafting at Washington University's uh, law school. And we were talking with the students the other day about how you get started on you know drafting projects and uh, you know dealing with the legal aspects when you're given you know sort of a fact pattern that asks you to draft say a, a trademark uh, license agreement or, or something like that um, and so Thompson Reuters practical law has this tagline that says provides lawyers with a better, more efficient starting point. And that's what I liked about it. And that's how I described it. And I see myself thinking a lot more about it. And if you've ever seen this product demoed, you'll you'll get it get the advantage of it really fast. But Notion is sort of curated content, lawyers involved, they collect uh, the, the sort of starting point information, law summaries, point you to the main cases, uh, you know, forms, uh, other things like that, and sort of all in one place where you can, used to be if somebody asked you a question and you kind of had to rack your brain or, you know, uh, you were on the spot trying to remember, you know, like you, you knew there were like four different exceptions to something, but you could only think of three of them. Now you can, it's the sort of thing where you can go and get the information you need and either while you're on the phone with somebody or before you make a phone call, so you can get up to speed really fast on things. And so this to me is the most interesting uh, of 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 those types of tools. And, you know, I, I don't know the pricing on this. I'm sure it's the sort of thing that you negotiate of depending on the size of your department or firm. But really interesting to me is, is maybe like a next generation approach to uh, providing actionable information to lawyers. So that wraps it up for this edition of the Kennedy Mile Report. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Information on how to get in touch with us, as well as links to all the topics we discussed today, is available on our show notes blog at tkrmreport.com. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or on the Legal Talk Network site. You can get to archives of all of our previous podcasts in both places as well. If you have a question you want answered or a topic for an upcoming podcast, please email us at tkmreport at gmail.com or send us a tweet. I'm at Tom Mile, and Dennis is at Dennis Kennedy. So until the next podcast, I'm Tom Mile. 
And I'm Dennis Kennedy, and you've been listening to the Kennedy Mile Report, a podcast on legal technology with an internet focus. Help us out by telling a couple of your friends and colleagues about this podcast. Thanks for listening to the Kennedy Mile Report. Check out Dennis and Tom's book, The Lawyer's Guide to Collaboration Tools and Technologies, Smart Ways to Work Together, from ABA Books or Amazon. And join us every other week for another edition of the Kennedy Mile Report, only on the Legal Talk Network.